We are on Ksubis Vav Amibes. I will begin. I did this originally, but uh, it stopped for some time. But I will begin uh, using an Archul Gemara to help those that want to follow along in an Archul Gemara. And so I will announce as we go through the different Shi'urim, uh, through the different classes, what page we are on based off of the Archul Gemara. So. We are currently on 6B3 in the second column, the very bottom of the second column, uh, moving on to 7A1. And today we will be concluding our discussion that we spent a couple of recordings on, on whether or not a pers- uh, a couple um, are allowed to have sexual relations for the first time on Shabbos. The concern is that it's a violation of Shabbos uh, for one of two reasons, either that it's creating an opening uh, by the removal of the hymen, it's creating an opening. Uh, alternatively, it could be because of the blood that comes out, and that itself is a violation of Shabbos. We discussed uh, that at different points in time. And so now the Gemara will conclude this discussion at the end of this recording. Uh, the Gemara now will, again, try to bring different proofs back and forth in terms of what we hold. Um, and we will see that there's also going to be a comparison between... or or. Um, contrasting between Shabbos and what would happen on Yom Tov, on Yom Tov, on let's say uh, Sukkot, Pesach, Shavuos, Rosh Hashanah, what would happen, would the law be any different in those cases? So, says the Gemara, Masav Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami asks the following question, why do we have to have this whole discussion? I can bring you a proof. I can bring you a proof one way or the other from the following Mishnah. If on Shabbos, the Mishnah, uh, says that if on Shabbos one removes uh, pus from a pimple, they they remove pus. So im lasos If the intent is to make an opening, he wants to make a hole uh, that will last. It has to be that it lasts for at least a day to allow the fluid to to go out and for the air uh, to go in. So then that's chayiv. That would be a violation of Shabbos. Rashi explains that it's the violation, as we mentioned in the past, of building on Shabbos. You cannot create an opening. It creates building on Shabbos. Tosvos, another classic commentator, adds that in order to create a hole, which is a biblical prohibition on Shabbos, you have to, it has to be a type of hole which has the ability for things to both go out and to come in. So the pus comes out and the air could come in. So that would be a violation of Shabbos. However... If the intent is to remove the fluid from within, it's there to remove the fluid, and that is your intent. So Pater, he is exempt. He exempts, and it is, the Gemara says elsewhere, that it is permissible. So what do we see from here? We see from here that why should it be permissible if my intent is for the fluid to come out, and yet it's permissible. So what does that show us? It shows us that... Um, when you have something which is inside the body and you want it to come out, and it's something which uh, is supposed to come out over time, it'll eventually come out. So we see that that is, uh, that is permissible, that it's not viewed as something which is connected to the body and that you're moving it from the body for it to be some sort of prohibition of, let's say, chavala, um, of wounding, of uh, some form of uh, removing from the body. There's different uh, different ways of understanding this prohibition, but it's not viewed as removing from the body. 
Because we see here that if your intention is to remove the fluid, that is not a problem. There's no problem within that. So can't this be a proof that even if you have intention to remove the blood, that is your intent. You want to remove the blood. Again, we've discussed uh, in a, a while back that why would you have intent to remove the blood? So there's different explanations for that as well. But let's say it's uh, either number one, so that you know that she's a virgin, or number two, it's so that uh, it won't be the blood will be removed, so that the next time the couple has sexual relations, there'll be no more blood there. Uh, so you want the blood out. So it should be that it should be permissible, even if you want the blood to come out, and that's your intention is to remove the blood. It should be permissible because just like over here, the fluid coming out, even if you intend for the fluid to come out, that's why you're doing it. It's permissible because it's viewed as detached from the body. This blood from the hymen should also be viewed as detached because it's supposed to come out. It's supposed to come out. So the Gemara answers, no. There's a difference. The Gemara says you cannot bring a proof from there. There is a difference between the case of, you know, popping a pimple uh, where the fluid comes out over there, it's really viewed as completely detached from the skin and from the body. It's completely detached. Uh, as opposed to when it comes to uh, the, the blood, which is in the vaginal area. So over there, it's, it's, it's more complicated. It's not, it's not completely detached. It's really, it's, it's collected there, but it's not, it's not detached. It's really absorbed in, uh, in that area. And so therefore, you cannot bring me a proof. Those are two, it's two different situations, two very different situations. You cannot bring me a proof from one to the other. Okay, so that is the end of that question. And then we reject, uh, we reject that proof. The Gemara wanted to bring a proof to show how it, uh, it should be permissible, even if your intention is for, is for the blood. And no, there's no proof from there. So, uh, it's not, it's not a proof. And so therefore, we are still left with a question with our discussion. Is it allowed? Is it not allowed? So now we have the Gemara now sort of shifts gears here from asking all these questions to issuing rulings, final decisions. What do we actually hold like? <coughs> Excuse me. Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami, a rabbi from the time period of the Gemara, he allowed one to have sexual relations for the first time on Shabbos. Actually, not only did he allow it, but there was a certain case where he allowed it for it to take place. And in that case, it seems to be it's a case where uh, they got married on uh, Friday afternoon and they did not write the ksuba. What is the ksuba? The whole tractate is called ksubas. The ksuba is the document which states the obligations that the husband has to his wife, both in terms of obligations for after the end of the marriage, whether he dies or they get divorced, but there's also other obligations as well while they are married. Um, and there is a rule. There's a rule that if you do not have a ksuba, you need to have this ksuba document. If you do not have this ksuba document, then the couple cannot have marital relations. They're not allowed to have marital relations. And so the Gemara asks, in this case where he allowed them to have uh, marital relations on Friday night, so how is this permissible? They did not write a ksuba. Uh, they didn't write a ksuba, and you need to have a ksuba in order for them to have uh, sexual relations. So how how is this permissible? Now, just to point out, there were certain places, we'll get to this much later, there were certain places that, that never had the custom of writing the ksuba. But for the places that did write the ksuba, they would have to, they would have to write it and there would be a, a prohibition. You're not allowed to have sexual relations if you didn't have your ksuba. So what did, what would they do? So Rabbi Ami said, 
So what do they do on Shabbos itself? You can't write the Ksuba on Shabbos. There's a prohibition to write on Shabbos. It's one of the 39 categories. One of the 39 categories of uh, forbidden work is writing. So they couldn't write it. So what do they do? So they gave her metaltalin, a movable uh, object, uh, property, to basically secure. It was there as a, to secure the obligation such that you know if the husband doesn't end up paying, so then you could collect on this movable object. Um, so, uh, so they gave it. They gave it to her. Um, so then, there. Even though you're not allowed to, so we know that you're not allowed to write on Shabbos. There should be a second, another question on this. How 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 is this even this allowed? How is it allowed to give her a movable object to say that you could collect on this in case uh, the husband doesn't end up giving the ksuba? Uh, this was basically a way of solving the fact that you know what, even though they didn't write down the ksuba, but now that. Uh, the husband gave her this uh, this uh, movable object. It's as if there's a ksuba around because she's really holding on to this as proof, not just as proof, but she could keep it for herself. Um, and so therefore now they're able to have sexual relations. But the end, in the end of the day, there's a, there's a separate question, a very important question, which is that besides for the prohibition to write on Shabbos, there's also a prohibition to perform transactions on Shabbos. You're not allowed to perform transactions on Shabbos. One of the reasons why you're not allowed to perform a transaction on Shabbos is because you might come to write it down. Anytime you perform a transaction, you want to keep a record of it. So you might come to write it down. So how is this allowed? How, the, the, the earlier commentators on the Talmud ask, how is this allowed for, for him to give this to her? So someone explained this wasn't a real transaction because uh, she was going to give it back after they write the Ksuba. So then she would, she would give it back. So it's not a complete transaction. Alternatively, another answer is that you're right. Uh, but uh, this was done a little bit before Shabbos. They couldn't write the Ksuba uh, before Shabbos, that would take too much time. But just to perform this act, that alone would uh, was uh, was enough. It was a very quick act to do, so that could take place before Shabbos. But it's important to keep this in mind that there is this concept that you're not allowed to perform transactions. This rule, they're not allowed to perform transactions on Shabbos. There's a big discussion. What happens, um, you know, with uh, certain transactions, which let's say begin from before Shabbos, then end up taking place on Shabbos, like if you. Uh, using a credit card or buying things online on the internet, uh, or are you allowed to have a uh, a website where you sell things on the internet and other people uh, make purchases on Shabbos itself? Is that allowed? Is that not allowed? It's not. Uh, we don't have time to get into the specific details, but I'll, it, it, you know these are big issues that that come up. Okay, another ruling that was uh, issued. Rav Zvid also he allowed. Uh, to have sexual relations for the first time on Shabbos. Ikadamri, another version of this is Rosvid Gufe Shabbos. Rosvid himself had sexual relations for the first time on Shabbos. Okay, another ruling. We're now on 7A1 on the second column. Rav Yehuda Sharlamivabitskilabiyamtav. We are now moving away from Shabbos, and Rav Yehuda says that he allowed, uh, he would allow for couples to have marital relations for the first time on Yom Tov. Not, he doesn't say Shabbos. He says, on Yom Tov, meaning on Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot, uh, the other holidays, Rosh Hashanah, he allowed them to have sexual relations for the first time on Yom Tov. So, Amr of Papi Mishmei de Rava, now we have the following disagreement, how to understand this. So, if Papi said in the name of Rava, Lo tema b'yom tov deshari ha-shabbos aser, du adenafilo shabbos nami shari, umayis shaya kachaya. When Rav Yehuda said this, he wasn't saying this to uh, exclude Shabbos to say it's allowed on Yom Tov, but it's not allowed for the first time on Shabbos. No, that's what he. That's not what he meant. He said both for Yom Tov and for Shabbos. We do not differentiate between the two, but it just happened to be that the incident in which he made this ruling took place on the holidays. It didn't take place on Shabbos. 
Rav Papa, it's easy to confuse the names. One is Rav Papi, one is Rav Papa. Rav Papa argues, Rav Papa mishmeid Rava Amar, Rav Papa in the name of Rava says, no, Biyamt of Shari B'Shabbos Asr, that there is a difference, and it's important to keep this in mind, there's a difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, it is allowed. When Rav Yehuda made this ruling, it is allowed. But on Shabbos, it's, it would not be allowed. It's a, it would not be allowed on Shabbos, but it would be allowed on Yom Tov, which now opens up the following discussion. And a little bit of a background, a uh, short background for, for this discussion. Uh, for the most part, the laws of Shabbos and the laws of Yom Tov are the same, for the, for the most part. But there are some very significant differences between the laws of Shabbos and the laws of the holidays, the laws, laws of Yom Tov. And that the, these differences really stem from the following line which is said in the Torah. The line in the Torah says, You're not allowed to do work. Just like on Shabbos, you can't do work. But the only thing that you could do, the only thing that you could do, are things that, uh, uh, which are eaten, for which any person, which any person could eat. Meaning, you're allowed to do things that are preparations for eating. So you're allowed to cook. That's a big difference. You're allowed to cook on Yom Tov. You're allowed to do other things in terms of preparations for the meal on Yom Tov. Now again, this is just in general terms. When you get to the specifics, you have to know what is permissible and what is not permissible on Yom Tov. But uh, that is a big difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov. Beyond that, there's even a bigger discussion about the fact that are we actually limiting this specifically to food, to eating, or more probably, most probably, which we'll see in the Gemara in, in a minute, is that it's, it's, it extends even beyond food. It could extend beyond food. Now, how far do you take this beyond food? Is a very big discussion, uh, but and, and some of it is based off the Gemara that we're about to see. But it goes beyond food. It goes. It could. It could be anything which, if it's permissible because of food, so then maybe that act would also be permissible outside the context of food. Maybe for some other need, or maybe perhaps even for no need at all, as long as that action would have been allowed if it was in the context of food. So then I can allow that action even outside of the context of food. Anything that I would need for myself, I can make it would be permissible. That action is then defined as being allowed because it was allowed through food. So, uh, so this is a big difference between Yom Tov and Shabbos, and we'll see this would have Im- implications for um, having sexual relations for the first time. So let's let's see the Gemara. Amalei Rupapi Rupapa Rupapi, who said that uh, when Rav Yehuda said this, he he didn't differentiate between Shabbos and Yom Tov. They're the same. So he said to Rupapa, who did differentiate, he says. What? Why would you differentiate? My daitech. Why would you differentiate? Just like you're allowed to create uh, a wound on Yom Tov. How could you create a wound on Yom Tov? You're allowed to slaughter an animal on Yom Tov for the purposes of eating. So you're going to tell me now, Rapapa, you're now, it's now permissible to, to do similar acts of creating wounds for purposes that have nothing to do with food, like uh, when you have sexual relations for the first time, that, that the blood comes out, is that your argument that you're going to make? He asks to Rapapa. Rapapa will respond, yes, in a second. But Rapapa says, if that's the case, I have the following question for you. If that's the case, it should then become permissible to, uh, what used to happen was that they would burn incense uh, to basically, this would be the last step in making clothing for some people. It would be the last cl- step for making clothing that they would burn incense to give it a certain smell. So you, now you're telling me that should be permissible on Yom Tov. Why should that be permissible on Yom Tov? Because you're allowed to kindle a fire on Yom Tov. 
You're allowed to kindle a fire for the purposes of food, right, to cook. In general, on Shabbos, you're not allowed to make a fire. It's a separate prohibition to make a fire, independent of cooking. You're not allowed to make a fire. So, on Yantav, you're allowed to make a fire in order to cook. And if that's the case, Rapapi asks, are you going to tell me also that you are allowed to burn incense in order to, uh, in order to uh, create a, a good smell for the clothing? But we know that that's not allowed. That is, that is for sure not allowed. Uh, so how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to differentiate between creating a wound, which is allowed, versus um, a burning incense, which we know is not allowed? So Rapapa answers. Amar Le Rapapa responds by saying as follows. He says, Alecha Amar Kra. The verse says, the Pasuk says, Ach asher yecha l'chol nefesh. Davar hashava l'chol nefesh. <coughs> when we say that you're allowed to do actions, uh, even if they're not food-related, but they, they were actions were permissible because uh, they could be food-related, it only applies to something which is common to all people on Yontiv. It's only it's it's limited to only things which are common to everybody. Now to um, to create a wound, to have sexual relations, uh, and in that context, it's creating a wound by the blood coming out. That is common. However, when it comes to burning incense for the clothing, that is not common. Only a certain group of people would do that. Who they felt uh, these people were uh, were very sensitive and they, they wanted a nice smell. Everybody else uh, wouldn't do that. Uh, and so therefore, you could differentiate between the two. But the Gemara asks further. the son of Rav asks According to what we just said, If that if you're if you're applying the principle that it has to be that everybody would do this. So then, what about if uh, if deer came? Are you going to tell me that uh, because uh, not everybody eats deer because deer is so expensive? It's a delicacy. Not a, only the rich people eat deer. You're going to tell me that you're not allowed to slaughter the deer on Yamtav? Is that what you're actually going to tell me? Survashi so says no. We have to we have to further explain it. Basically, how do you how do you uh, define what is allowed, what's not allowed? So if it's something which uh, which is um, could be used by everybody. Everybody would want it. It could be that some people can't afford it, but everybody, if you offered it to them, so then they would want it, so then that is permissible. But if it's something where even if you were to offer it to them, they would say, no, thank you. Like by burning the incense on the garments, you know, a significant number of people would say, I don't care, I don't need it, don't give it to me. But when it comes to deer, everybody would say, yeah, I'll eat it. So if it's something that everybody would want, uh, so then that would be permissible to do on Yom Tov. And again, when we say everybody, we don't mean everybody in the world. Obviously, we don't know what everybody in the world wants, but it means a significant uh, majority of people in the world. And th- that's what they want. So this, that's, so this is how Rapapa differentiates between Shabbos and Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, you're allowed to have sexual relations for the first time because even though it's true on Shabbos, you're not allowed to and you're creating a wound, but you're allowed to slaughter on Yom Tov. Uh, so there's a difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov. If you're allowed to slaughter, you're also allowed to uh, you're also allowed to create a wound. It's all the same malacha, the same category of forbidden activity of creating a wound. And so therefore, it should also be, be permissible. Now, just to point out, this has major, major ramifications for what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do on Yom Tov. And just very quickly, uh, this had very significant uh, discussions about whether you're allowed to smoke on Yom Tov. Is it permissible to smoke on Yom Tov because you're creating a fire? You're allowed to create a fire for food, so you're allowed to smoke on Yantiv. Well, do people do it? So it probably changes over, over time and over the generations. And also, are you allowed to shower on Yantiv? Um Now, we're not going to get into specific details. There could be other factors to consider as well. But 
uh, the reason to allow to heat up the water would also be based on this principle uh, that you are not, in general you're not allowed to heat up the water on Shabbos, but on Yantav perhaps you're you're allowed to to drink, but maybe you'll be also allowed to to shower if this is something that everybody does. Again, there are other factors to consider as well, but this is all part of those big discussions. Okay, let's just go on a little bit in the Gemara. I know I'm beyond the twenty minute mark, uh, but I just want to finish this topic. So Amar Rabbi Yaakov Bar Idi Hora Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yaakov Bar Idi said Hora Rabbi Yochanan B'Tzaydan Rabbi Yochanan ruled in Tzaydan. I'm now on the bottom of of the first column in seven a two in the article. Also live all B'Tzchila B'Shabbos. You're not allowed to have sexual relations for the first time on Shabbos. So the Gemara asks a very interesting question. Umika Hora Leiser. It, the language of making an announcement. Do we ever say that we're making an announcement for that which is not allowed? Very interesting idea, uh, which is embellished upon by, by Rashi here and in other places, which is that when you're coming to allow for something, so then it makes sense to make, I'm making a public announcement that the following is allowed. Why? It's very easy to be stringent. If you don't know the, the halachic ruling, <coughs> you're just not sure, so it's easy to say, I will be stringent. You know, I'm, I want to take the safe side and I'll be stringent. In order to be lenient, it means that you are fully aware of the entire halachic process such that you went through all the analysis that I know that this is permissible. So when it comes to making rulings and announcing rulings, you do so to make something permissible. But where do we ever see that you make a ruling to say something's not allowed? How did he make this ruling to say you're not allowed to do it? No, that, that shouldn't be the language that's used. Sigmar says no. That, that language is also used even when it comes to uh, becoming being stringent, and so the Gemara explains. In yes, Vatanan, we have the following two proofs. It says in a Mishnah, made this announcement. He ruling that uh, we're not going to get into specific details, but Queen Helene had to become a, a Nazir for an additional seven years. She was a Nazir. A Nazir is somebody who takes it upon themselves not to drink wine or not to come in contact with a dead person, to not shave their hair. Um, and so she had to do it for another seven years without getting into the details, but he was being stringent. Another proof. We know that an animal is not kosher if it's a, if it's a trefa. If it's a trefa, it's not, it's, uh, if it has certain body uh, uh, injuries, it's not kosher. So the question is, what happens if the spinal cord is split? So Rebbe says it has to be split in order for it to, to not be kosher, it has to be split in the greater part of the of the spinal cord. Rabbi Yaakov says, no, I feel a nikov, even if it's just pierced, even if it's just pierced. And Hora Rebbe, Rabbi Yaakov, and Rebbe was stringent like Rabbi Yaakov to say, even if it's just pierced. Fine. Amar Ravuna, Ravuna happens to comment on that and say, in Allah, Rabbi Yaakov. He doesn't hold that it just has to be, just has to be pierced, it has to be that it is um, uh, split for the greater part of the spinal cord. Okay, finally, the last couple of lines. Rav Nachum Bar Yitzhak Mas Nihachi. Rav Nachum Bar Yitzhak taught that a different version of, of what was said before. Amar Rabbi Avo, again we're in the bottom of seven eight two here. Rabbi Avo said, "Shal Rabbi Yishmael ben Yaakov de Mitzur es Rabbi Yochanan b'Tzidim." They asked Rabbi Yochanan, "Vani Shami," and I overheard it. Malivol b'Tzil b'Shabbos. Are you allowed to have sexual relations the first time in Shabbos? Amar Leosu, he said, "It's not allowed." But the Gemara concludes, and this is the ruling of Vahilchasam Motelivol b'Tzil b'Shabbos. The end of the day, the halacha is that it is permissible both on Yom Tov and on Shabbos to have sexual relations for the first time. That is the conclusion of the Gemara. So let us stop here. This is the end of that discussion. The next uh, couple of, uh, you know, next page and a half of the Gemara will be focusing on the wedding ceremony. Different ideas of the wedding ceremony and Sheva Brachos the week after. Very, very interesting, uh, uh, very interesting topics to come.